The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Doesn't Hi, welcome quite, to the winemakers. The there, wait a, a minute. Hotel glass mug. Yeah. yeah. The pour doesn't quite have the same. Doesn't have the same pop to it. Broadcasting no, it was, live from the Best Western. It, in was, it was better than pouring into a plastic cup, though. <laughs> you know, everybody. Came, hey, at least it's glass. Before I got here, everybody's like, "Oh, I'm staying at the Black Oak. Oh, you staying at the Black Oak? I'm staying at the Black Oak." No, for for like 24 hours, people weren't putting the Best Western in front of the Black Oak. <laughs> Kate Brian, like, oh, the Black Oak must be like the luxury hotel in town. <laughs> Brian tells me Black Oak. I look it up. There's like no results. I'm like, I'm going to New York. No, that's wrong. Yeah. And then I Google, no. I Google Black Oak Paso, and it's like Best Western. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Brian just tells me we're going to Black. Oak. We're staying in Black Oak. Black Oak. They got limousines that drive us around. What does that even mean? Right? (laughs) It's actually actually the Black Oak. (laughs) Bart Hansen, member of the Paso Robles Visitors Bureau Commission. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know what? I I do I do like this area. It's it's quite beautiful. I did my bike tour of Paso Robles, and um, if we had a whole bunch of money, there's a whole bunch of land out there that could be uh, probably utilized. Yeah, Bart showed up yesterday, and, and I'm at uh, Chris Cherry's old Villa Creek uh, bar having right. margaritas. Did, did, the, did he sell that? He, no, he yeah, no, he didn't sell it. It's actually, it's uh, so he's renting it out to the, what is it, N-O-V-O, whatever the fuck it is that um, that, that is there now. But he, he's just getting he's just getting paid rent on it. Um, he's focusing on his wine, which I just talked to him about 20 minutes ago. He said it's a good thing. Um but yeah, I was having margaritas and, and talked to Bart. Bart said, I'm on my way down. I said, I'm having margaritas and lunch. Bart said, oh, I was going to go on a bike ride, but margaritas sound, <laughs> sound better than going on a bike ride. And then what happens? He shows up and I see him in his little bike shorts going on a bike ride. What the hell? <laughs> I, you know, you got to work it off so you can enjoy it. I guess so. So anyway, let me tell you who's on the show today. We have um, Isabel Gassier. Hi. Who we've wanted to have on the show for a long time, um, uh, Isabel. Why don't you go ahead and just throw out uh, a little bit of your history and what you're doing here in the United States and your family history, and because we're all Tell looking. Ev- say everything right now, all at once. That's and yeah. we want to hear go. the we want to hear the names of your brother and sister that are here visiting as well. Um, yeah, I moved to the U.S. about a year ago now. Um, grew up on a vineyard in the Southern Rhone Valley. Um, and then studied winemaking and viticulture, and then worked in Chateauneuf for a year with Philippe Combi. Wanted to get out of France again and uh, moved to the U.S. and started working for Phil Katuri. Um, Wait, why did you want to get out of France? Uh, What's wrong with France? Why did some people want to get out of Petaluma? Was it a bad yeah. breakup? Was it a bad breakup with <laughs> no. one of your boyfriends? Wait a minute, oh, we got God, no. <laughs> no. Um, it was more about if you already know you really enjoy some somewhere and that you could spend the rest of your life there, I don't see the urge in starting the rest of my life now. Right. Well, so. you can always go home, right? Yeah, I can always right. go home. Okay, that makes sense. And the plan is we're to not, go we're, home we're, at You know what? I we're not beautiful. I, good, good for you. Good for you. She doesn't know, but she's n- we're not letting her leave California. <laughs> right. we, we needed Isabel here. Uh, That's sweet. Yeah. 
I don't think my dad's going to yeah, agree I think, with that. I don't think Michelle's going to approve. So no. we're, at, we're at Hospice Daron, um, which is also also known as, a.k.a. the Gossier Family Reunion. <laughs> oh, my God, you, right. You can't... 2018. You can't swing a six-pack of Grenache around here without hitting a Gossier in, in the shoulder. Yeah. Is there one outside in the parking lot right now? <laughs> Mama, Mama! Actually, Tina. that's my mom. Oh, that's that is my mom. I told you so. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you See, think your mom no, wants to be on the podcast? Pro- probably not. <laughs> I think I think she might, but she looks coming. like she's on a mission. Yeah. Like, my and mom, my mom, that must be me. <laughs> and uh, Isabel is usually kind of raspy, but the the Gassy, I mean, they're also like they're involved in everything here. So I think We're you've been talking, talking, oh, and loud. So talking nonstop. What what are some of the things that you've been involved with? this week already even though today's like the first day it seems like you've been here for a month um you mean all the projects <laughs> uh, all the things what are you doing here um it all started with philippe coming to sonoma well first san francisco and sonoma where um he's starting to do a project with you and your dad right and breaking um, news here on the one yeah sorry podcast. i don't know if i was are we supposed allowed. to sit, talk about it Secret project with between two it's people whose initials <laughs> are PC, and they're both named Phil, and they're from France and Sonoma. But it's a secret project. Don't I heard they're making, sour, they're making a sour. They're making a sour beer. We're making yes. a sour beer. It's a sour beer a project. Sarovskins, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it'll be better oh. than thinking this one way outside the tank on this one. Mm, for sure. Um, and l- I think should we talk? F- who is well, Philippe so, yeah, Combi? Let's back it up. Who yeah, we're, we Philippe just can't Combi? just. Um. Okay. Philippe Combi is uh, a man of many hats. Um, so he's he's a before anything he's a consultant, um, and basically over the past um, I guess twenty years now has been working um, mostly in Chateau Neuf du Pape and a bunch of the different Côte d'Iron village and a little bit in Provence, and um, and through it kind of gained the attention of Robert Parker, who absolutely adored the wines he was helping create. Um, And it's what partially um, helped bring a lot of attention to Chateauneuf as well. And Philippe was coined the god of Grenache by by Robert Parker. Don't say that in front of him, though. No, please don't. Because apparently God God means something else in French. Oh, that's not good. We're not talking about on the podcast. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Google it. Google it. What does God mean in French? It's spelled differently. Google it. Google it. Um, so, and, and so, so Philippe. <laughs> Just don't say it in front of Philippe. It's all I'm saying. Okay. Fine. All right. It's, all right, it's simple. <laughs> and and so Philippe has kind of become a world-renowned consultant now, right? I mean, he works with wineries in many countries in Europe, and and now a few here in the United States, right? Correct. And so, through it all, he also started having his own projects. So, Calendal is his um, personal vineyard, and he makes wine um out of that vineyard that's and what are those labels called is that the pesh? Ca- it's just that's just calendal okay. and it's one wine wait how do you spell yeah, that you gotta spell that C- for american podcasters again he's like the michelle yeah. roland of chateauneuf de pop but he's not because <laughs> no they, they, okay. tell, tell me no I, because educate i me. think i think and i might i might uh 
not know what I'm talking about, but it is my understanding that That's he has a trademark of the winemakers podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I probably don't know what I'm talking about, but um, it is my understanding that he has uh, one way less projects and two um, quite a variety of styles within his clients. He has clients that are making natural wine and are not using any sulfur. He has people doing very powerful wine. He has people trying more modern styles. He has others like in, in Gigondas, for example, that are maybe a little more traditional. There's people with a lot of equipment, people with very little equipment. Um, he's working with a lot of very small producers that don't have means. So he's not, I don't think I would put him as a traditional Type like a traditional consultant, consultant gun for hire that's looking to make through, the money. And right, he's through a lab, so he's a, right. he's not. Um, people aren't paying necessarily for Philippe; they're paying for the service. Right. And then the way you get Philippe is actually not giving him more money; is creating having a genuine friendship right. with him. And so he gets to choose to work with people he feels very close to. And uh, and he feels like that's his luxury. So closer to, to a Robin Hood than a Philippe Melka, <laughs> right? Do you know Robin Hood? I know Robin Hood. Yeah. I don't know Philippe Melka personally. Okay. So I no, but know. I mean he's you know uh, he does it for the passion, for the yeah. love. It's not necessarily really for does. the money or for the for the fame or right. right. And then and, and then actually, what Philippe is is the world's greatest food Instagrammer. Yes. Uh, if you if haven't followed Philippe on There's Instagram, no, no, no captions. No, oh, no, no text. For. The caption is you don't need it. Uh, well, there are times I do wonder what that what is. What the on his fuck flight. that is? It's uh, tr I can tell you right now, it's truffles. <laughs> <laughs> Philippe Combe just and, 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 and probably a lot of in innards also, which, yeah. I, which I love. Philippe. Look up lo love. and look up Philippe Combe on Instagram. Follow yeah. follow along as uh, you know a world traveler who loves to live the good life. Uh, Eats the best food, drinks the best wine, and then and then also makes some of the best wine. Yeah. It's it's a worthy it's a worthy experiment. Well, Isabel, what is your um, father's relationship with Philippe, and and what is your history with Philippe, and the history of your family in the winemaking business? Um, so the way it all started was our our family from the beginning. Um, actually, my dad was was born in Algeria that used to be French territory. They had vineyards there for, our, our ancestors were winemakers there as well. And then um, when they moved back to France, um, our, our, my I think great, great, great grandfather had already purchased an estate there that they were also farming. And so they had a place to um, land on their feet and um, and so then, I guess, my dad went to school for agricultural engineering, didn't really think too much about being a winemaker just yet, and uh, had the opportunity to move to the U.S. when he was um, in his early 20s, and he took it. And that's where he met my mom, and they was had Was he working brother. in the wine business when he was here? No, he was working in the food industry, but he was like... Um, yeah, not not not, not, not very close to the wine industry at all. Um, I mean, he loved to drink wine, obviously. Uh, but then, uh, when my grandfather decided to retire, he asked his two sons if they'd be interested. Um, and luckily, they both were and wanted two very different sides of the business. So, 
My uncle takes care of the orchards and all the fruit business, and my dad does the wine. And it like both of them are weirdly complementary, so it always all worked out. So and what sort of fruit trees or what sort of orchards? So we have peaches, apples, and apricots. And then it's also uh, there's also a packing house where um, my uncle can pack for other farmers and producers and then distribute. Hmm. And, and, and where exactly, where are the orchards located? The orchards are located, um, they're more on valley grounds compared to our vineyards, right. but they're still close to the cool. estate. It's cool, all, cool. yeah. yeah and this is all in the, the Neem area. Exactly. Right. It's all Which in Costa de Neem. West of Marseille, if you're looking at a, count, at a map. Right, and the Cossier de Nîmes, I mean, we've done oh, seminars, I think, in, at uh, hospice left. in the last couple of years right. about some of the most value-oriented wines on the planet. I mean, your dad's wine that we tried last night, I don't even know what he charges um, it's not for that you wine. You raise the price? But <laughs> I know how much, it's, how much we sell it in France. I don't know the price in the What US. is it in France, you think? Uh, it's the red. So it was the white. No, no, we it tasted the white, white blend. Yeah, I think it's probably eighteen or nineteen euros. Oh man, uh, which to us is uh, twenty five, twenty six, something that like that. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah, yeah that and completely bad. worth every penny at that price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo a lovely wine. Yeah, and he's and what else are you guys making on the property in France? That's about it. Just Seriously, oh, you mean I was wines? Well, I was a little surprised because he only was pouring one wine. Right. No, we make multiple wines. There's, okay. So there's at t at this point, basically, um, in 2006, my dad decided to uh, well was looking for a consultant and um, had had it basically inherited the consultant of his father's consultant and then that um, that ended and he was looking for somebody else because in France it's a very different um, service basically consultants usually come as a complimentary uh, service from labs where not only are you getting your analysis back but they're they're commented by the analogist oh, and the an analogists really all come like twice a week during harvest and taste and give you insight and reassure you and tell you that what you're experiencing is also what the rest of the Appalachian is mm. experiencing. <laughs> right. And basically just, I think a lot of the, the work is helping out during, during harvest for reassuring and having an outside opinion um, and then helping out with blends. But Because see, everybody, you understand that here where we think more of wineries are um, a lot of them buy grapes from a grower and have their own in-house winemaking teams. Um, in France, a lot of times, it's the oh. winery is the grape grower. They're farmers, They yes. are farmers. They make their wine, and so they bring in these consultants. But they're really, as you say, it's very well described, is that it's a service by exactly. the laboratories. That's great. It's, yeah. it, no, it's, it's amazing. And so um, we have a, a lab in the south of France that's in that's throughout the Rhone Valley and also the Languedoc, I believe. That's called the ICV. And, 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 that's, and, and, yeah. just, and you don't have to have really a really smart person there every day telling you how smart they are also. <laughs> you mean <laughs> what a consultant does? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like an analogist. They're just like, well, you know, here I am. Here I am. Right. Look at me. Right. This is just a, you know, it's probably two hours a week total. <laughs> right. Not that much. Time to take a stab. Um. <laughs> 
Sorry, Isabel. No, no worries. Sorry to all the consultants so, yeah, out there. When, <laughs> so 2006 is world. when the relationship started with the Philippe. Right. They met, they both um, bonded like crazy over rugby. They're both, um, oh, wow. they're both rugby guys okay. for sure. Um, and I think what my dad often says is that this was the first time, like the first question Philippe asked him was, what wines do you want to make? And like my dad was fairly young at this point and kind of new to the game, I guess, and never thought for some reason that you could have the freedom of really, you know, cre like creating something that, that is your your expression. Um, and so I think that was a very exciting start for both of them. Right. And that's where they started, when they started working together. Then they become really fast friends and started, um, you know, doing get doing a few projects together. So now they have Halo de Jupiter. That's um, Halos of Jupiter. So, yes, Halos of Jupiter. Oh, and <laughs> I've seen that label on yeah. his Instagram, the Jupiter so one. <laughs> Actually, I've heard about this Jupiter one wines. for four. Yeah, yeah. There's a reputation with the Jupiter wine. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. Freaking yeah. love that wine. Oh, yes. that's awesome. Yeah. So the idea behind that is that both uh, both Philippe and my father believe that. Uh, Grenache is the best uh, variety and when it comes to like expressing terroir and at least it, it, like varieties that they deal with. Um, and so they got really excited about showcasing all of the different terroir and appellations of the Rhone Valley. So all of these wines are, are Grenache dominant and with usually hints of maybe Syrah and Morved, but right. very minimal. Um, and Grenache Noir, or are you talking about Grenache Blanc as well? Um, this is there's only one white, and I don't believe that they do it every vintage. I still have to check up on that. Okay, but if not, it's all Grenache Noir. Okay. Um, and they also now have a project with, well, in in Washington State that's called Tenet Wines. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Washington State. So who who owns these grapes? Uh, Saint Michel. And uh, Chateau Saint-Michel. Yeah. The and they were pouring the Tenet wine last night. Correct. Ah. And your father has something to do with that as well? Yes. My father's um, consulting on the vineyard side. Ah. Philippe is consulting on the cellar side. And then Bob Berto is the winemaker. Wow. Interesting. And that yeah. just started how long ago? That, I believe it started... Um, God, it's probably been four or five years already. Yeah, so it's, there's it's it's been going on for at least a while. I mean, in, yeah, I in, in Washington, at least it's 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 kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. It's one of the first, well, not the first. There's there's a couple wineries in Washington that are doing collaborations with with French winemakers, but but Tenet is is easily the the biggest. Tenet's one that you find in grocery stores. Wow, awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and, and and you know, Bob Bouteau came through. He started in Sonoma County originally, and. Worked at a number of smaller places, and then was with Gallo for a long time, and then went up to Chateau Saint Michel. Mm -hmm. Probably been twenty years now that he's been up there. Yeah, I think it's been it's been quite a bit. And so, so you come to the United States. You're not working in Washington. You're not working with your father. You're not working with Philippe Kemby. What are you doing while you're here? <laughs> uh, and is that uh, do you decide fun. do you decide uh, that you know what I don't want to bunch of dogs I don't want to do the <laughs> I don't want to do the family stuff. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do my own thing. Is that part Not of it? Not at all. Um, no, I. N there's no like. I don't. I definitely do still want to um, have ties with my family. Like we said, we're kind of a 
We're pretty tight knit. It's a clan. Um, it's yeah. a caravan. It's yeah. like they all travel uh, together. So see, for example, this you can't talk shit my parents about a gossier in Paso. You're gonna get <laughs> <No>. stabbed because <laughs> they all know there's ears everywhere. <laughs> um, the, this is a good example of my parents are pouring and they're bringing their three children because we right. all live in the U.S. now. But there's but like they're bringing seventeen cousins and uncles Not and seventeen. Aunt. But yeah, my cousins are also Slightly here. Slightly exaggerated. My second right. cousins are also here. Oh, there's here. another Gassier there's across the parking lot. <laughs> 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 oh, Papa, look. Papa, Papa. <laughs> Is that real or not? No, not oh, real. Not that real. That would have been. God, that that would have been. Okay, so there's. They, it's so it's feasible though. So it's like a real thing. Yeah, like you're expecting. Like, so it's kind I'm of like uh, it's like sleeper cells. <laughs> you guys all come here. You get in different facets of the wine industry, exactly. and then at some point. It's all going to be Gossier wine, no matter what you buy at the store. No. No. Please. No. <laughs> God, no. Um, not a, that, that is definitely not the objective. Okay. So um, but when, when you first moved to the United States, you did your first harvest with who? I did a vineyard internship with Morgan Twain Peterson at Bedrock. Um, and then, which... I was like in in the vineyards for the most of it, and the last month and a half probably I was in the cellar. When it's all hands on deck in Bedrock Land. Exactly. Um, July through December. Yeah, July through <laughs> December. <laughs> Starting um, now. Ready, set, go. And then, <laughs> well, during the internship, I met up with Phil, who generously offered me a job. Poached her away. <laughs> <laughs> so I I, um, I I immediately accepted. And you're in the well you're in the vineyard. I mean, you're yeah. I'm more culture. of a, yeah. So my dad also identifies, I think, a little more as a farmer than a winemaker, especially like in the U.S., where the name the word winemaker is so linked to just buying fruit and fermenting it. Um, and I grew up very close to my just. dad. And no, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. It's sorry. All, no, it's all good. <laughs> I, I try and insult winemakers at least once an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean, I guess I'm used to a more like traditional form. Yeah. Cha-ching. Um. Yeah. Well, here, I mean, here, to be fair, it's linked to everything. It's like you, you could own a winery and you call yourself a winemaker. And it's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a winemaker. And then you ask about working in the cellar. And right. they're like, well. How's the pH? Well, they're, they're like, like no, I, I, no, uh, I, I, I own the delicious. brand. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're a vintner. And even then, it's like, like, a it's like what is a vintner? It's like the stupidest fucking word ever. Like, what is vintner? Vintner, like you, vintner means like you make like to me like when I think of vintner, I think that like that means you made wine. But vintner to us in America means that you own a winery. It's like you see on the back of the label, like vintner, vintner, and and winemaker, and it's like what's the difference? That's the same fucking thing. It's it's stupid. Isn't vintner just like in my mind? It's just putting wine in a bottle. Basically, yeah, like not, a bottle. It's actually it's it's more it's more putting the label on a bottle. Yeah, I, I, you know what I love? Okay. I don't have to say a word. <laughs> well, what's also interesting is all these other people trying. Try yeah, yeah, yeah. I should I should mention that. We, so let's say who we have on the podcast because I don't right. think anyone knows. Let's, let's do a ro- so where, roll call. Where are we? Okay, <laughs> so room two thirty two. We are in the room two thirty two of the Black, Black Oak, Oak in Paso Robles at Hospice Tyrone. We have Tasio two thirty two. Tasio is the um, works at uh, uh, San Luis Obispo Country Club. He's the wine director there, correct? Food and beverage director. Food and beverage director. Same thing. So and and uh, vintner winemaker. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly vintner. right. Uh, what was what was uh, uh, natural wines 
It's like if you're a wine guy, the the wine list and the psalm, the wine program. Right. Well, yeah. Oh, man. I've totally oh. butchered that. All right. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, sorry to interrupt you. In regards to vintners, is, it's interesting because I agree. I think it should be someone who produces the wine, not someone who puts their name on it. You can be Donald Trump or Charles Barkley. It doesn't mean you know anything right. about wine. Right. You know what I mean? Would you call Charles Barkley a vintner? In, in particular. No. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and like I say, I'm not going to. He try plays out for the golf, <laughs> and and so hell of a golfer, hell of a golfer. <laughs> I should mention Bart Hansen is here from uh, Dane Sellers, Ian Blessing from the French Laundry. Who let me say that Ian and I have wanted to do Roan Rangers together, um, Hospice to Roan together forever now, forever, ever, ever. So happy and that you guys are ever? making your dreams ever, come ever? true and uh, kind of making out with Ian right now. We're, we're love boat. <laughs> Two dudes, one mic. Right. <laughs> Shit got weird at room 232. <laughs> and it's funny that... You don't now, need to come. We're, we're, good. We're, we're both now not working for the girl in the fig. Uh, Ian's at Prince I'm at I'm at uh, SMI, but we now we finally get to come down here together. Sam Katuri of uh, so, uh, 16600. The thing that uh, I butchered earlier. Here we go. Yeah, here um, we go. Read it to If us. you're a wine buyer, it's a wine list. Right. If you're a wine director, it's a wine program. Right. And if you're a sommelier... It's my list. That's right. That's what I got on my list. <laughs> Bitch. That's so true. That's another great uh, Instagram f- follow out there for the social media world. Natural wine spelled with an H. Like wine. He like wines. He's a, he's a former Psalm who had his list at a place in LA. And now he's, I think he's podcasting and making t shirts and making wine. I don't actually. Yeah, he's pretty raising snarky. his kid. I, I, I Extra like snark. Yeah. He's, he's just as snarky in real life. I poured for him. He had, really? some, he had some of my wine at Hatchet Hall. Um, but yeah, he's he's full of snark, yeah. pretty, and he loves Kanye, <laughs> for, for whatever fucking <laughs> <Great>. reason. <laughs> um, so we should mention that it is a Friday today. Is it Friday? Friday. Is it Thursday? Friday. It's a Friday. Time has no meaning at Hospice. It does not. We're at Hospice Daron. We um, we did a little tasting today of uh, South African Sanso. And then we did uh, Barossa Valley Shiraz. It was my first South African Sanso and my ninth right, South we, African we Sanso <laughs> within 10 minutes. That's right. Yeah. I tasted there, nine the of qu- them. The real question is, is there going to be a tenth? Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. They were, okay, so here's the thing. Some of them were okay, but it was also like 7 o'clock in the morning. They were like bracing. Seven o'clock in the morning, restaurant guy. Time. They I were. Think that they started at ten. Nine thirty. They were. They were bracingly not dry. Far, not I, farmer like, time. I expect no. Sanso to be a little more fruit forward, and some of them were, but some of them were like really dry and really dusty, which I wasn't expecting even remotely. Right. And again, I don't know if it was because I like just woke up, but didn't it, pair it, well with your lock. It wasn't what I expected, yeah. and th- what surprised <laughs> me even more was that like six out of nine of them were like wax-sealed, expensive bottles. It was like South Africa being like, okay, so here's our new thing. Fuck, like, the other grapes that we've been doing, like, that nobody's gotten on board with. Like, Pinotage. We're gonna, Pino, yeah, they're right. like, they're like Pinotage has gotten a bad rap. We're going to do, this, like, sans, so Pinotage is, is Sanso um, by, by Pinot. That, the, that's Pinotage's is parentage, is Sanso by Pinot Noir. Hybrid. So they're wait, like, wait, so the, Pinotage so is Sanso crossed with Pinot Noir. Oh. Yeah. So they're like, Pinotage didn't work out. Everybody Did hates Pinotage. No. We're just going to go back to Sanso. We're going to go back to basics, back to the original, right. and put it in really expensive-looking bottling right. and hope that people get down with it. Sounds like they have American consultants. And it was, oh, totally. <laughs> and the first two wines, one of them I was called... Sh- Charisse Theron yeah. is their uh, <laughs> sales rep here in the United States. 
the first I, two wines. I'm pretty sure she's a vintner. She was Australian. All right. The first two wines. Her and Brad Pitt own a couple of wineries. One of them was called Skull and Bones. The other was called Old Bones. It was like this whole like it was very clearly targeted towards America. The rest of them were all in South Africa. Like you couldn't. I, I couldn't understand any of them. It was Swart, like Swartland. It, it, it was it was Swartlandian. Yeah. It was it was. I mean, I, I'm gonna sound really ignorant right now, but like South African language. Like I didn't understand right. any of it. Right. It was like German, but I like I understand German bottlings but, because but, I've Afrikaner. But but yo no uh, yeah Afrikaans yeah, <laughs> yeah Afrikaan yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. It, but they were really confusing, and then some yeah. of them were very clearly targeted <laughs> towards us. Right. What's well, hard too is I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they have an established style yet. They mm. are trying to put themselves forward as we're doing this, but they're not necessarily coming together as like one kind of united force. It's all these different sort of bottlings, and it's nice, but I don't know what a Sanso from South Africa tastes like, you know, and, and I don't think many people do, and so they're trying to showcase themselves there. But Most people I, don't know what a Sinso from anywhere tastes like. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Most funny. people don't know what a Sinso tastes like. And, and so period. for them yeah. to try to put their hat on this, but not yet, those. in a way, in a weird way, think of marketing in a sense of creating a unified style. You know, you can tell if something's... Right, but in a way, that's what's so great about HDR is what did we do this morning? We sat down and we tried nine Sanso from South Africa. I mean, when when would you ever do that? On Wednesdays? No, (laughs) no, no, no. (laughs) On Friday at Hospice (laughs) Tyrone. And Fridays at Hospice (laughs) Tyrone, right. At 7 slash 10 in the morning. Right. Yeah. So Seven in the morning, restaurant time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we did a little uh, Barossa Valley, uh, Barossa Shiraz, which was a lot of the bottles were labeled 16.2. Yes. And I'm not talking about that's how many cases they made. <laughs> I'm talking about alcohol percentage. So th- th- we had a we had a bit of a rough morning, and then you we got were pretty loose by the rose. We lunch. were so happy to get to the rose lunch oh, because then we could start clearing our palate with some. Well, beautiful, we were like uh, we weren't rose. even we weren't even so so Brian and I volunteered so we're, we're here working we're here opening wines pouring wines so we're pouring you guys are being peep you're here yeah like, we're, we're helping out we're helping right. out so we're pouring there, there's 500 guests right so we're pouring nine wines for almost 500 people so there's like 20 of us that are volunteering and, and and pouring these wines and we're not tasting anything in the morning we're spitting and we were drunk by the end of the Australian just, just tasting on just just spitting on on absorption oh uh, just on absorption yeah. alone like that stuff sinks into your tongue and we're like ready to go my biggest takeaway from and I don't I'm I, like I'm gonna get on a diatribe here but I can't help it because this happened and I can't ignore it on the Australian panel we did nine wines right four of them were in screw cap yep. and I've never opened and tasted 20 of the same wines in a row in my entire life right. I never worked in a tasting room. I've never opened that many wines over and over again. And in a tasting room, even, you're going to open one wine at a time and then pour it and then open another one. I've never opened 20 to 24 wines back to back and tasted all the same exact of the shape. exact same wine and tasted all of them right away. Yep. I was I was confused. When I walked in the morning, I saw some people doing this, and they were like putting wines aside. They're like, this is bad. This is bad. I'm like, there's no way that four of those wines are corked. And so my next thought was screw caps. So my next thought was these are just Psalms going, Oh, this wine isn't showing well, this isn't showing well, this wine's bad. And then I did it. Psalms wouldn't do something. And then I tell no what that exactly. (laughs) So then I start tasting them and I go, Holy crap, there's like six of these wines out of twenty are not as good as the other wines. Like sixteen of these are amazing and they're clearly what they're supposed to be. And then you open four or five of them and they're like, they're just not as good. They're not bad. They're not off exactly. They're not corked for sure. 
but they're clearly not as good because I just taste 16 of the other exact same wines that were amazing, and these wines weren't as good. The screw cap wines were all exactly the same. They were all amazing. And we didn't even think we needed to taste them, but then we did just kind of for fun, and all of them were exactly the same. And, you know, even the the, uh, the the O2 Mataro, that was out of a screw cap. The best wine of the tasting was an O2 Mataro, which for us here is Morvedra. It was an O2 Morvedra from Australia, from Barossa Valley, that was hands down the best tasting of the entire lineup. On the nose, it was aged. It had all of that secondary aroma. On the palate, it was fresh. It was bright fruit. I expected it to be a 14, 15. Uh, that was the first thing you said. It was crazy. It was, it, was, it was unbelievable. It was primary. On the palate, it was primary. No. So, so here was my takeaway, and, and, and talking to, to other people at the tastings, I, this never even occurred to me, was that some of that, when you open a bottle, like we get focused on cork taint. We get focused on the 5% of wines that are corked. What we're not looking at are the other 95% of wines that we're opening that we assume are good. And sometimes you open one bottle. If you're not opening 20 of them, if you don't know, if you've never opened an 85 Shaw Hermitage, you don't know what it tastes like, chances are you just spent 10 grand on a bottle of wine, and it could chances be... Chances are. It, it could Sorry, be... Sorry, I've, I've only opened an 84, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that I wine... I that with wine, birth year Shaw of 83. That wine could be slightly gassier? off. Uh, it's, it's Jeb. Uh, it's just Jeb. It's fine. Uh, person Jeb, Jeb Jeb Dunnick, person of the year, is walking by our hotel right now. Um, that's right. No, that's no problem. Right. No problem. Um, but there's so many of these wines now. I think back on all these wines that I've opened and how many of them may have been only slightly off. You wouldn't even notice. Yeah. But it's not as good as it could have been because you weren't opening 24 of them. You have no idea what it's actually supposed to taste like. No. It made I, me yeah. think that screw caps I, I think, no, make a lot you of gotta sense. you got to remember the setting, though. Because those wines have been moved around a bunch, it's not. That's probably not in like been kept in the coldest room in the back of the the event center. But then you why know, are I think sixteen like of pulling, them good and four of them are not? Because wine is not exact. Because it's a living thing. Because it's a living I get thing that, that makes and, sense. And I think that Wait, and, and, if and you let question. those rest in a cellar. Uh, for three months before you opened all twenty-five of them at the same time, but then why were you'd have but less, then you'd why have less were misses? Twenty-four of the screw cap wines all exactly the same and tasted exactly witchcraft. like they should have been. Witchcraft, yeah, screw cap witchcraft. You're, you're not going to get Sam on board right I away. Know. With this and one. how could you? No, seriously, yeah. how could you open? How often do you open a bottle? At the French Laundry, at the table, that's never. Well, we don't open with screw- the same like pomp and circumstance that you do. Never. You know? and, and so, you and so, here's my thing. I completely agree with you. Right. I've always been against screw caps because I think it seems cheesy. I think it makes the wine look cheap. I don't. I love the. I love the ceremony of opening. I. But I think what happened if today I is open Ian a had wine, an epiphany. I had an epiphany, and I'm yep. pissed about it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm I'm, I'm I'm like kind of angry about it. Now <laughs> totally. Because it make like after going through that exercise, I understand. The practicality of screw caps, I don't want it to be that way. Yeah, but it makes sense to me. It's true, I don't want it to happen, but it so makes why more don't sense. You want it? What was, what was, because I what love was, I love corked wine. I love no, I, I love opening a bottle of wine. Right. I do what too. But that? there is something to be said about some wines being maybe in a priced range and and in a style that's only going to be. You know, that's that's to be drink, drunk, drink. I don't know. Drunk, drinking, drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drinking is definitely the word. <laughs> to be had. Drinking. Um, <laughs> within a year or two, for example. And at that point, um, consistency can be important and screw caps can be convenient. I but definitely again, don't want to see screw caps but the, on like. The best wine of the day was 17, 16, my math is really bad, 16 year old Morvedra 
yeah. from South Africa. The, the best wine out of 18 was in a screw cap, and it was 16 years old. I just think as a winemaker, if I was going to make a wine, if I was going to put all of my passion and love into a bottle, and I didn't know who was going to. I don't know what their their level of wine knowledge is. I'm going to send that out. They're going to open something. I want it to be the best representation of that wine. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I realized today was that sometimes, or all the time, I, I mean, I, I, this literally blew my mind, is the best representation might be in a bottle with a screw cap. Yeah. For consistency's sake. And what's interesting is sake alone. South Africa, I didn't realize that South Africa was so much into the screw cap. I knew that Australia was into the screw cap, but we opened a lot of Australian wines today and 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 a lot of them were in corks. Oh. And what was really interesting is that um you know, we had we had the winemaker for one of the wines uh, while we were opening up all the bottles. One of the winemakers was there uh uh tasting all the wines. And we could tell that they were hand corked because of the way that they were pushed down inside of the bottle. Um, but, but he, he said there's, you know, definitely bottle variations where he has no explanation for it. And the, he said the reason that they hand corked a lot of their small production wine, it broke his heart when he would see machine bottling and the wine would be wasted. He said, I have these hundred year old vines and I'm watching this machine bottle my wines and I see the wine pouring over the side of the bottle. And he said he, he knew that he lost a lot of the wine. So he said, we just decided at some point just to do hand, hand corking. And they said, we know we have zero loss. <laughs> but I mean, a, lot of these, a lot of these corks were pushed down. Fucking I mean, yeah. they were pushed down a half <laughs> no, an inch uh, inside the... Because, yeah. I mean, you got some guy who works out who's probably pushing those corks down a little bit more. You got, you got someone like... <laughs> someone like, you know, my, my brother you know, like me LA. who's, you know, pushing it down, probably still sticking out a little bit. <laughs> And my brother-in-law from LA has always wanted to have people pay him, us to come up and pick grapes, and he's going to call it cross pick, and he's going to make picking grapes harvest into like exercise for the LA crowd. We'll like they'll work out all morning long, and then eat some quinoa and avocado, <laughs> and then go for a hike or something. Uh, we could do. Awesome. We could make like bottling. That's you the know, most American thing yeah. you've said. Most today. American thing, fucking ever. Uh, and it's a workout. It's we a could do. Workout. We could do. You know, oh cross bottle. You know, hand bottling, moving the boxes. I think we could, we could. It's like the Huck Finn approach to, to you know, Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer Tom approach Sawyer. to uh, bottling. You pay me for the the privilege of bottling my wine by hand, and then you can even go home with a bottle. The hard part thousand dollars, especially with a spot that's <laughs> like South Africa, that's really well known for kind of not consistent winemaking practices or potentially bad winemaking practices that this could potentially all be part of it. You know what I mean? I know bottling right. it is one thing, but the reason that they have to hand bottle it, I think, speaks volumes of that there's inconsistencies in when they're bottling. Right. So, yes, I appreciate that this 15-year-old Mataro turned out to be amazing, but at the same time, it was made in, not necessarily saying South Africa, but to see it done on different planes in different ways. Australia really. literally moved a screw cap because they were getting shitty corks. They were being sent shitty corks, different just like they're being sent... Just like they were b being sent shitty oak barrels. Uh, I think we had this conversation when Morgan was on. That it was the same thing. Yeah. They literally said, so much of our wine is corked, we have to do something else. So they came Which, up with screw caps. They made 85% yeah. of their wine screw caps. Yeah. And here's the point that, like, I, I don't really know if I, like, explained this earlier. The bottle variation is because if you don't, if you've never smelled, if you don't understand corked wine, cork has different levels. There's very small levels of cork taint to very high levels of cork taint. Where you open a bottle and you go, bleh. This is completely terrible. 
and there's very, very small levels of cork where you go, I can still smell the fruit. I still got the wine, but I smell a little bit of cork. And if you don't know cork taint, you're going to assume it's okay. These bottles that we thought were bottle variation, that these bottles weren't quite as good. What I think, my theory, and I'm not a cork expert. I don't know things. I just open a bunch of wine and drink it. I think that these had really, really minute levels, really minute levels of cork taint, right. just small enough to make the wine not taste as good as it should have. And so do you think a sommelier is responsible for that variation within bottles? No, because if I'm opening one bottle, there's no way I can tell that. You I've never experienced this. No, I've never experienced this until I opened 24 bottles of the exact same wine and had four of them be like, this isn't quite as good as the others. There's nothing wrong with it. I would have served those. I had no problem serving those wines, but they weren't as good as the other 20 that I opened. And even, you know what, what happened um, yesterday and, and also today is that we let wines get through that we initially smelled and said those are fine. We, we poured them Because out. cork taint grows worse as the right. wine is open. You try them. it the next day, and it's yes. worse. We poured them out on the floor, and then what we do is after we pour all the wines, we would go back and start smelling all the wines that were already poured, and we found some yep. rows that were bad yep. that and we didn't pick out at the beginning. And back so. to what I said, I think that the wines that were just slightly missing were because because of the travel and the handling and the, the movement and the jostling and the temperature. Uh, that in the same way that a, you know an open bottle feeds the you know the the air feeds the, T, the TCA I think that that same kind of is just a m- little bit more air because of a, a cork because of the, going through the cork yeah and another thing is even those wines that were slightly off after they settled even after opening them they might have come around you know come back a little bit but still you're right Ian I mean they're still they're different it's entirely like I'm I, I'm not here like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not being coming paid. soon to the French Laundry and all cork screw on all right. screw cab an all screw cab wine list. You know what though? This is Thomas Keller but, approved. But this it's is real. what a sum wants to do. I mean, a sum a sum wants to show the wine in the best light. Exactly. And they want to show it in the way that the winemaker dreams about of this is the most incredible expression of my wine. And so when when you have this realization that, oh my God, maybe I'm serving wines that aren't the best expression of the way that the winemaker made those wines, and I don't have any way to determine that, that's a scary fucking thing. Yeah, I've, I've never been a proponent of screw caps, and I'm not saying that I am. I'm saying that I'm not as negative about them as I used to be there you go. after my experience yeah. today. Yeah. I don't yeah. come down on screw caps anymore. Way to walk yeah. that one back in. Yeah. <laughs> walk it down. We're very proud of your maturation. Uh, thank you. Uh, All right. <laughs> I'm introduce a, a special guest who, um, for some reason... I've never invited onto the podcast, uh, and I asked him this morning why. Why he goes? How come I've never been on the podcast? And I said, Dad, do you want to be on the podcast? And he said, No. And I said, That's why you've never been on the podcast. Well, I don't want to embarrass you. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> don't worry. I do that plenty on my yeah, own. Yeah, I don't think that's a possibility. <laughs> right. We just we just in, quote in you. We've already <laughs> we spoken about you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Has has Hospice Derone been? It's been great so far, yeah. you know, of what I've seen, right. which was a, a, a cellar for about four or five hours last night. Yeah, that was a crazy a, a <laughs> party and, and, and in a cellar. So you were at the Saxon party last night? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what, do you, what What was the best wine you think you had last night? One of your favorites. Uh, well, the Shav is always, always great to taste. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tasting a wine in this place of origin always adds a different fold to the wine. Yes. Yeah. And there was nothing like going through the various uh, vintages of Saxon that were Spread out in, in, amongst both the tables. Yeah, everywhere, uh, you, everywhere you turned, well, there was another freaking amazing bottle you, of wine. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you really start to understand 
uh, the attention to detail that he puts into it by looking at the attention to detail that he has in his winery. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a shame a lot of times with Saxon. I know for myself, being a wine buyer at a restaurant, when you get an allocation and they say, oh, yeah, you can have three bottles or six bottles, you put it on the wine list. And then within two months, people buy the what it we're in. We're in 18 right now. So people would buy the the 14 or the 15 and the, the wine's gone off your list. And you're thinking that should have waited five years before somebody. Holy drank it. shit. And I did not realize until Adam Webb, who owns Cachon Winery, brought me a bottle of 06 James Berry a couple of years ago. And I tried that and I said, oh, man, this is how you're supposed to drink the wine. Well, I think it's a luxury for a restaurant to be able to do that. And I think depending on, on your clientele, I think it's, a, it's almost a must. Yeah. You, you know, that, that you, you know, I love going to a restaurant that, that has what they want to call the captain's list or whatever, whatever they want to put. The, but to have vintage wines, because that shows the, the quality of investment and the un- understanding of what, wi- what wine is. Because how, how often do we drink a 2014 or 15? I'm just starting to drink 2010. Right. So, you know, so no, and that happens with Cinquanon. That happens with Saxum. It happens with Cayuse. Like all these wines, we get on the list and people are so excited at the opportunity to actually buy them that they drink them when they're just released. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, you know, the Saxum list is, the waiting list is seven years long or something, I heard, you know. So for a lot of people, the only chance that they're going to have to taste that one, six years long? Yeah, yep. it's oh. got a year shorter. Oh, it's got a year shorter. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a year closer. Uh, right. The, you know, the only time that they're going to have a, a crack at it is on the list at Sante. You know, it's the only time that it is even within reach which is also then why you know you, you get to charge the prices that you charge for right. it because the demand is so the demand is so high and you know it's not like it's a small winery in that i mean it's not making a ton of wine in there but um it's so sought yeah, after a lot of fermenters, boy. There's, there was a, there was a <laughs> lot of going on too, it, was, it was you know if you had one of he had more than he had like four of everything everything that you'd ever want he had four more more i mean it was like <laughs> the, the barrel collection was insane the fermenters, the tanks of all shapes and sizes, yeah. um, you know, and when you have that that tool chest, you know, that palette yeah. to make the kinds of wines that that you do, um, you know, it's pretty amazing. You yeah. make what whatever you want, however you want it, and it's always going to turn out. Well, speaking of which, unless anyone else wants to, I, you know, Phil, I'd love to have you on on a sh- <laughs> an, an actual show, Full not stuff. just us hanging not just out, Hank sitting on Brian's, hanging bed. out on my bed <laughs> in the in the hotel room, I'm sitting on my bed. I'll, I'll, I'll stand up <laughs> because we we really would love to have you on a show, just well, a normal rain, show. The next rainy day. You know, the next rainy day. All right. Okay. We'll, okay. See you in November. Um, yeah. Because I know I know all of us are very excited we have a tasting to go to that starts at four o'clock and uh I don't, what time is it Three thirty. Three thirty. we can get in right now yeah, and and go, speaking yeah. of saxon wines they're they're saxon. justin's pouring right now yeah. i think there's probably 100 200 something purveyors pouring look at isabel she's like jumping out of her yeah seat. my family's expecting go. me there's <laughs> 700 gassiers expecting isabel right. so we're very excited so you guys thank in. you for listening <laughs> to the winemakers this has been uh, bart hansen this has been tasio this has been phil it's been sam it's been ian it's been Isabel and Brian Casey, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.